Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe, you are here. Give us the grace, Lord, to accept you, to welcome you. Lord, I pray that tonight none of us would hide from you any longer. We're all hiding things, Jesus. We're all avoiding you. But Jesus, when we avoid you, we avoid life. We avoid healing. So call us out of the darkness, break our chains, and meet us with your love. We pray these things with hope and confidence in your name, powerful King Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Well, welcome everybody, and a very romantic Ash Wednesday to you. We got lots of Valentine's Day treats in store tonight. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We don't. There's not any chocolate at all. Not any. There's none. Uh, But we are going to be talking about uh, the deepest deepest kind of love that there is. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name's Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here at St. Andrews. I know uh, for those who are usually here on Wednesday nights, this is a weird service, right? Like this is very different uh, than what usually goes on. I don't normally see people dress like this, right? It's kind of different. Uh, This is a little peek at what Sunday mornings uh, look like here uh, for those uh, who have never been on a Sunday morning. But we want you to know that you're always welcomed. uh, And if this takes a little bit of getting used to, it took a little bit of getting used to for me. I I didn't come from a background where this kind of thing went on. Uh, Just know that that God's at work, and you'll see that for yourself uh, the more you're around. Uh, And for those uh, who are normally here on Sundays but not Wednesday nights, uh, maybe this is different for you too. We're glad you're here, and you're always welcomed welcomed on Wednesdays too. So it's just great having everybody together. We're glad you're here tonight. Uh, Today is uh, a special service. This is something that we do once a year, this combined service on Ash Wednesday, uh, because, uh, you know, Ash Wednesday is a special day uh, in the calendar of the church, and we're going to talk a lot about what that means as we get on. But before I dig into that, first, I just want to like ask you a couple of questions. I'm not looking for you to answer back, but I want you to think about these questions and don't overthink it. Just see what pops up in your mind and we'll go from there. All right. So, so here we go. I want you to think a little bit about what your average day looks like. Like, like what, what, what did your day look like today? What happened? Um, What, what kind of stuff came up? Like what, what are you doing every day just sort of automatically at this point, whether it's work or uh, school or, or chores or doing the dishes, like what's going on for you every day? If you have any free time, how do you usually spend it? What, what's automatic for you there? What do you go to when you have a chance to, to take a break? What are you thinking about most of the time? Like we don't always think about what we think about, but there's always something going on in our heads, right? So what's going on in your head? Is it worry? Is it daydreaming? What's going on in your head? If I asked you, what's most important to you? What is most important to you? What would you say? Really think about that. I want you to answer in your own mind. If I asked you, what is most important to you? What would you say? I think most of us would want to say, you know, maybe family or friends or maybe faith. But the question I'm trying to raise with these other questions about what's going on in your day, like what actually happens, is uh, I I want you to think about what you're actually prioritizing, like what actually gets your time, your energy, and your attention uh, every day. In other words, where is your life taking you right now? It's like a ship, you know, like which way is it pointed? If you'd have kept living the same way that you're living right now for the rest of your life, if nothing changed, if you had the same schedule, the same habits that you have right now for the next year, who would you become? 
if you did everything the same way that you've been doing it these last few days and weeks for the next 10 years, who would you become? You think about that person. Is it somebody that you want to be? Most days, most days we don't really give these kinds of questions much thought. We're too busy or, or too distracted. We're just trying to get through to the next thing, you know, and I know that's true for me too. So we kind of roll out of bed and step into our day like we're getting on a bus, and it just kind of takes us wherever it's going, right, automatically. We just do one thing after another, and we try to get a little enjoyment here and there when we can, and the days pass and the years pass, and pretty soon, if we do step back, we wonder where all the time went and how we got here. Of course, the truth is we have the chance every moment that we're alive, every single moment we're alive to change our course, to head a different direction. But man, the, the ruts that we run in get so deep that it's really hard for us to do that. And, and most of the time we, we don't. We need help to make a change. We need Jesus. Today, like I said, is Ash Wednesday. It's the first day in the season of Lent, which is a 40-day period in, in the life of the church where we set aside Uh, to deal with the sin and broken parts of our lives. Ash Wednesday is a day for looking up to see where we're headed, to see where our lives are taking us. And it's also a day for reaching up for help to get pulled up out of our ruts. It's a day, as Paul put it in 2 Corinthians, for salvation, right? A day for breaking chains. Ash Wednesday is a needed built-in reminder that comes knocking on our doors around this time every year, and it brings good news and bad news. Usually people ask, but no, you don't get a choice, right? The bad news just comes first, okay? And the bad news is this. You're going to die. You are going to die. Maybe, maybe, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe in 80 years, but you're going to die. I'm going to die. That's pretty bad news. But the good news is that Jesus died for you. We're all going to die but Jesus died for us. Now, I want to say a few words about what these reminders that we're going to die and that Jesus died for us. I want, to say, I want to talk about what these things mean and what they don't mean. The reminder that we're going to die someday is not and shouldn't be an effort to manipulate us with fear, to scare you, <laughs> and to falling in line and obeying the rules. And I know that happens a lot. But no, today is set apart to remind us that we're going to die, to give us a chance to really live both today and eternally. Uh, You know, no one likes to hear a tornado siren, right? Like if you hear it going off, uh, it's scary, it's, it's, it's inconvenient. But if there's really a tornado coming, I want that warning, right? It gives me a chance uh, to take action, to to do something uh, that I really need to do, you know, to take cover. Ash Wednesday is that kind of reminder. We don't always want it, but we need it. It gives us an opportunity to make a change that we just probably wouldn't get any other way. I've, I've got a lot of kids, and uh, if I don't give them multiple warnings before it's time to go somewhere, they're not going to be ready, right? God knows we're the same way, and so he sends us these kind of warnings. If we forget that our days are numbered, friends, we probably won't try to change. We'll probably just stay stuck in the same ruts, letting trivial fears Petty resentments and selfish desires run our lives. If we forget that our days are numbered, we're going to be a lot more likely to take the people who matter the most to us for granted. We'll probably put off being honest and saying we're sorry. We'll probably put off learning to forgive for another day 
a day that somehow always manages to be later, a day that never actually gets here. So Ash Wednesday's reminder of our mortality, that we're going to die, is a mercy, because the truth is, we do not get unlimited chances to change. Every day is a gift that comes as swiftly as it goes, and it'll never be replayed again. Friends, today only happens once, and all our todays will run out. We're going to die. When we come to terms with this truth, that's the place where we begin to recognize that we need help. When we begin to see that our own best efforts, our own best thinking, got us where we are right now. And so Ash Wednesday brings us a second and greater reminder right where we need it. And that reminder is that Jesus died for you. You're going to die, but Jesus died for you. Lent, this whole season, calls us to turn and face the cross, to take a long, hard look at Jesus' death so that we will know how to live and so that we will know how to face our own inevitable death. And here again, I want to say a word about what this invitation to think about Jesus' death means and what it does not mean, what it is and what it is not. During Lent, we turn our attention towards Jesus' death. But we're not trying to make ourselves sad to try and deserve what Jesus did. Thinking about the cross is heavy, but it's not some kind of punishment. And and thinking about the cross and and, and thinking about Jesus' death is certainly not a way to earn points with God. The whole point of the cross is that God already loved you 100% so much that he was willing to die, even while you were still sinning, even while you were still messing up. That's why he died. So it's not like we can make him like us more. He already loves us all the way. So today we're called to consider Jesus' death, to turn towards the cross, not to earn anything, not to prove anything, but because if we don't, we're never really going to understand how much God loves us, how much Jesus loves us. And we'll never really be whole until we understand that. When you look at the cross when you really consider what Jesus went through, you begin to see Jesus isn't out to make us suffer. Jesus has taken our suffering on himself. Jesus isn't trying to make you suffer with with anything he's calling you to do. He's taken your suffering on himself. It's so important that we know that. Especially because some of us may not really need to be reminded that we're going to die today. Some of us are already very familiar with death. It's already shaken your life. You can't hide from it. You've lost people that you love. Maybe you're losing them now. Or maybe it's not death itself, the end of a life, but the many smaller little deaths that fill our lives, violence and abuse, lies and betrayal, neglect and abandonment, those who should love and support you failing to do that, Or maybe it's your shame in knowing that you've harmed somebody else by what you've done or by what you didn't do. Maybe you already feel death sting too sharply, and you're just doing everything you know how to do to try and escape it, to forget it. Maybe you've wondered why God hasn't done something about all this pain, about all this death. Maybe you wonder why he's let it happen. Maybe you're angry at him or sad, or just confused. And friends, that's understandable. If you are, if you're angry with God, you're not alone. 
The Bible is full of people crying out to God in fear and doubt. Just read the Psalms. And David constantly says things like this. But God answered his cries, and he has also answered ours. Friends, it's when we face the cross, when we look and see Jesus' death, that we begin to understand that God's not blind to our suffering. He's not blind at all. He is not blind to your loss. He's not blind to any of the evil in the world. He is not sitting idly by and doing nothing. Though I know it might feel that way sometimes. No, the cross is God's answer to evil. The cross is his answer to the suffering that you face. The cross is what he has done about it and what he is doing about it. God may act in other ways too, of course. He may step in and and, and bring healing and and wholeness in your life, and I, I pray that he does. But the cross is always God's ultimate response, his ultimate answer to the broken and wrong things in our lives and in the world. If you wonder if God sees you, if you wonder if he cares, he does. He cares so much about your pain that he has come and made your suffering his suffering. That's what the cross tells us. He cares so much about your pain that he has come and made your suffering his suffering. That's that's why I became a human being. It's why he went to the cross. He has made your death his death. That's the kind of king that Jesus is. When we face the cross, when we look at Jesus' death, we begin to understand that when we grieve, when we're sad, when we're overwhelmed by the brokenness and hurt that we feel and see in our lives and in our friends and the people we love, when we feel that kind of grief, we're sharing God's grief. Because, friends, he loves everything that he's made. And he knows about every single hurt, every betrayal, every failure. He sees it all. Only he knows the full weight of all the harm that we have done to each other and all the harm that we have done to ourselves. Imagine what it would be like if every human alive was your child in this broken world. Think about how big your grief would be. That's what God's is like. When you grieve, you're sharing his grief. And God's response to knowing our pain is not to hide from it. His response to knowing our pain was to come and get into the mess with us, to become human. And not just any human, but but a human who was poor and misunderstood, abused and rejected, abandoned, tortured, and ultimately killed. His response was, was to make all our pain and sin His pain and sin. Friends, if we don't face the cross, if we don't look at Jesus' suffering, God's forgiveness is going to, seem, going to seem cheap and small to us. It'll, seem, it'll be hard to believe that His forgiveness is big enough to deal with our mistakes. And it's going to make it easier for us to keep on hurting ourselves and hurting each other. And so during, Lent, during this 40-day season, we're invited to make room to remember our Lord's suffering love, not so that we feel more ashamed of ourselves, not to beat ourselves up, not to make God like us or to earn anything from Him, but so that we can begin to grasp just how much he already loves us. He loves us this much. Friends, you're going to die, and so am I, but Jesus died for us. And so as Paul said in 2 Corinthians, I implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Not just any day, but today. Today is the day for salvation. The message I want to bring you today is really simple. 
our lives are always going off course. They just naturally turn towards empty, worthless things. But God invites us to turn away from all that and to find what we really need, Him. And through Him, peace with ourselves and each other and all of creation, like all of our healing starts by being reconciled with Him. If we do that, everything else flows from there. And we can start to do this today by confessing our sins, by asking God for mercy, by recognizing God's great love for us, so visible on the cross, that's where we see it, and saying yes to Him, saying yes to His love. Look, we may not have all the answers, and that's okay, because we've seen Jesus' love on the cross. We've seen His character on the cross, who He really is. The cross is the clearest picture of who God is, and Jesus is the clearest picture of who God is. And that's more than enough to trust. Friends, He will never turn away anyone that comes to Him. If you have never turned to Jesus before, I'm offering an invitation to begin a whole new life, to being born again in Him. But if you're already a Christian, this invitation is still just as important because repentance isn't something we just do one time. It's a way of life. The more we know Jesus, the more we learn that when He invites us to follow Him, He's not trying to shame us or make us jump through a bunch of meaningless hoops. He is trying to free us and heal us. So repentance is good news. It's something we get to do every day. Repentance is like good food to someone who's hungry. It's the thing we need. It's the thing we've been looking for. It's how we start to get better. It's how, it's how we're made whole. And that healing really can start here today. But it won't end here today if it does start here for you. Again, this next 40 days is a whole season of fasting, a season of repentance, a season of turning towards God and away from other things. And I know fasting maybe has a bad reputation. We're not going to talk about it a lot. I mean, simply it's, it's, it's not doing some things, right, on purpose to make room in our life for God. And, and that may sound like bad news. Like you might say, my life's already hard. Why would you ask me to make it harder by giving something up that I like? <laughs> but, but like I said, Lent's not about suffering to gain brownie points from God. It's not going to make Him like you more. Lent's about getting bad stuff and sometimes even good stuff out of the way because our lives are so full and so busy and so loud that there's just no room to get what we really need the most, what is best, and that's Jesus and everything that He has for us. So friends, what I'm saying is we fast in order to feast. We make room in our lives for what we need most, and that's Jesus. And sometimes that means stepping away from other things so that we can spend time growing in Him, rehearsing, listening again and again to the truth that God loves us, inviting Him to empower us to love others in a way that we never could on our own. Lent, the season, is a time to try out new habits, to try new things the kinds of things that will help us follow through with repentance, right? Like if we say, God, I'm sorry, we want to learn to live like that. I don't, I don't want to just say I'm sorry. I want to actually start doing things differently. But I know that's not easy. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, this is a season to do that kind of work. It's a season for breaking chains. It's a season for new life. Trusting that God is not trying to get, keep you from getting what you need. He knows what you need. He is what you need. We're all going to die, friends, but Jesus is the resurrection and the life. In just a moment, and really, in just, in just a moment, 
uh, we're going to come to the altar together. You're going to be invited to come and kneel right here. And, and we're going to do something kind of strange. Uh, those of us up here are going to come, the priests are going to come, and we're going to mark your forehead. If you're willing, if you want to come forward, you don't have to, but if you want to, you're going to come forward, and we're going to mark your forehead with ashes in the shape of a cross. Why do we do this? We do this as a symbol to say the things I've been saying. The ashes say to us, you're going to die. But the cross says, Jesus died for you. The, the ashes say, you're going to die, but the cross says Jesus died for you. And after we've done that, after we've put these ashes on our forehead, we're going to go, and, and then we're going to come back in a few minutes, and we're going to have communion. It's going to be offered. And, and it's another opportunity to understand and respond to Jesus' love. Because the bread, and the, the, the bread and the grape juice that we're going to serve tonight is a picture of Jesus' body and blood broken and poured out because of how much he loved you. And so as we receive that, we're united to him, and we receive his love, we receive his grace. So the invitation is to come to this rail tonight, to face your own mortality, to own up to your sin, to stop hiding from the broken places in your life, to give all that stuff to God, and to look at the cross, to see Jesus' death, and understand how much he loves you, and to respond to that love, to turn to Him and receive into eternal love, eternal forgiveness, eternal wholeness. So come, friends, I again implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Jesus, we confess that we do not have the power to change ourselves. It's only your power that can do that. And so through your word, through your Holy Spirit's presence. Come and open our hearts. Make a way, Jesus, for us to lay down everything that's broken and worthless. And in exchange, Lord, let us receive your love and your mercy. Transform us by your love. We pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen.